Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings... Mm-hmm. We present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here with you. And if you are a consistent listener of the podcast, you know that my favorite guy to break down the offensive and defensive lines is Brandon Thorne, who works for the Scouting Academy, also writes for Inside the Pylon, and these days, too, uh, on Bleacher Report, doing their NFL 1000 rankings, which is very cool. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing good, Matt. I'm excited about the playoff matchups we got, man, and especially minnesota philly and the line of scrimmage battles so we've been talking all year long from going back to training camp you've been coming on the podcast you've been right. talking about the offensive line and defensive line and i feel like this matchup was made for you for you personally because yeah. <laughs> this game will be defined by the offensive and defensive lines and so many times brandon we hear that and it's not that it's untrue it's just that it's become kind of a cliche but this game to me comes down to which team is going to win that battle right yeah i mean dude I, i've been going back and forth on this it seems like you know all day because i've been breaking down the matchups and just looking at everything and looking at the depth charts and whatnot and i mean you know ultimately i, I think you know minnesota has the better defense and not just statistically but you know what they do in coverage um and against nick Foles, i think that's really going to decide the game you know i think that you know i'd probably lean minnesota just because of that but in terms of line of scrimmage you know battles i think honestly if you look at it just a player per player basis i think philadelphia probably has a better offensive and defensive line um but it's very close on the defensive line you know um so it's you're splitting hairs really on that side so that's kind of you know interesting you know under the you know, what I just said prior about their coverage or whatnot. So it's, I'm kind of torn, you know, on who I like here. Cause I do think Philly, you know, I'll just start like on the offensive line, you know, from the left guard over, I think they're like good or better all around. And, you know, the left tackle, I think is a good run blocker by type, um, but below average pass blocker. And, you know, that's the one matchup right there that I think Minnesota has the biggest advantage on, on either side. You know, of their offensive or defensive line is Everson Griffin versus by tight left tackle. So if they could put him in, you know, if they could win first down and put him in 
you know, third and medium or longer, I think that that's the recipe right there. I mean, to just let Everson Griffin go, you know, so to speak and run, you know, blitzes and all the different things that they do over there, you know, maybe put Tom Johnson on that side and really stress him out. Cause Wisniewski, you know, is a, he's a good player all around, but you know, he's just a good player. You know, I think Tom Johnson is a, a very good pass rusher. So that right there, I mean, I think those two guys are the most vulnerable. Um, and then, you know, at center, I think you could make the case that Kelsey was the best center in the NFL this year. Um, I thought he was the second best to Frederick, but, you know, that's splitting hairs too. I mean, he was he was an all-pro. Um, so he's, you know, the, the stuff that he does in space, uh, we talk about Elfline, you know, we've talked about him in the past, what he does in space, but Kelsey's on just another level, you know, just because he's, you know, he's just a smaller guy and he's more athletic. Um, he's just very fast. So him and like, you know, Mitch Morse are probably two of the premier moving centers, you know, so that right there is going to present a lot of issues because I think the big thing, you know, I saw that Shamar Steven is out, um, which I think is pretty big. Um, I'm pretty sure that's correct. I yep, saw that on yep. Twitter. Yep, so, that's right. you know, just that messes with the rotation a little bit and with what Philly does in the run game, you know, in terms of like traps and whams, um, I think that they average over six yards of carry on traps and, and wham blocks. And that's basically where you get, where you leave the uh, a three technique or you could even do it to a one technique, you leave them unblocked and you have some guy hit him from the side, you mm-hmm. know, either a tight end or a pullback or an offensive lineman. Um, so that right there in, in a rotation that has one of their, you know, got one of the rotational guys out. I think, you know, you have to be very mentally aware and, you know, show good awareness in those types of situations. So, you know, I like Jaleel Johnson, if he's the one who's going to play, um, that's a guy we could talk about. I like him a lot. So it'll be intriguing to see how that plays out as well. But, um, you know, Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson are two of the best in their, at their positions as well. I think Lane Johnson's probably the best right tackle in the league right now. So I think, you know, Philly, just in terms of if you're breaking down their offensive line versus Minnesota's offensive line, I think they're better at every position except maybe left tackle. So how are they able to do so many unique blocking schemes? I I, I noticed last week against uh, Atlanta that on one play, Lane Johnson, who's the right tackle, is pulling all the way across the formation, and he ends up in the left tackle spot by the time uh, basically the running back is hitting his hole. How rare is that? Because I feel like I I don't see a tackle doing that all the time. And it's almost like Philadelphia on their offensive line has guys pulling and moving in different directions on every single play. Yeah, it's really interesting how Philadelphia's offensive line is set up because when Jason Peters went down for the year, I thought honestly that they were going to give some consideration to moving Lane Johnson over to the left and Vitae to the right just because it fits that traditional mold of, you know, you put the better one on the left side. And if you look in the NFL right now, I mean, the premier left tackles, they're just different than the premier right tackles in terms of their athletic profile. You know, once you get past Lane Johnson, Um, but see, that's the thing that makes Philly's setup kind of unique is because it's almost like they have it flipped. But so you see what Lane Johnson is doing more from left tackles than you do right tackles. Um, I see what the type of things that he's doing, you know, from Tyron Smith and stuff like that. And that's, that's kind of like what he is like athletically. Um, so it's just, he's, he's a rare specimen physically. Ultimately, I mean, he's six, six, you know, a little over 300 pounds. He has 35 and a fourth inch arms. Um, so he has elite length. Um, that's what you want right there. 35 or above. 
Um, so very good. And, you know, he's a freak athletically in terms of, you know, all his combine measurables. Um, you know, he ran a four, seven, two, you know, so he's just a freakish athlete. So, you know, Philadelphia and their offense and, you know, credit to their, I think these are probably the two best coach teams, you know, in a lot of aspects as well this season. And it, you know, reflects in their defense and, you know, the way that they feature players on their offensive line, you know, especially for Philly. So I was writing matchups, just one-on-ones or this unit versus these players, that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. Linval Joseph versus Jason Kelsey is a heck of a matchup. But at the same time, though, it's not exactly one-on-one here like it might normally right. be because they do so many different things. How do you see that matchup playing out? Because last week, Linval just ate alive the Saints. It was one. I thought it was one of his best performances. He was taking, was it Max Unger as their center? He was throwing him on, on plays. And the a message to Sean Payton, uh, I think, was sent pretty strong. When it's third and one and you have a chance to win the game by getting one yard, don't run at Linval Joseph. That's a pretty bad plan. So, uh, But how do you see the Eagles handling Joseph? Because I think he is the premier player or one of the top three or four players at that position. Yeah, that's you bring up great points. I mean, Unger is a guy who's a little taller than Kelsey and a little heavier, but they're both kind of on the lighter side. You know, Unger's uh, three hundred five listed. You know, and Kelsey's listed at two ninety five. So if you, I don't think the the game plan here should be to run vertically necessarily too much, especially when you look at that matchup, because no matter who is helping Kelsey, um, you know, I think you're going to be at a little bit of a disadvantage there. Um, you could probably get him sometimes because Kelsey this year, honestly, even though he's so undersized, he plays with such great leverage that, I mean, he could get underneath. And I've seen him do things to guys this year that premier players where, you know, it's pretty special. I mean, in terms of not just um, what he could do at space, but how explosive he is at the point of attack, he could really kind of deliver some force. And that paired with like a Brandon Brooks double team, you know, because Brooks is a huge human being himself, um, and that kind of helps compensate for a little bit of Kelsey's undersizedness, you know, in the middle going against Joseph. So I think that combo right there could maybe do, you know, they could at least battle it out, and I think, you know, there'd be a lot of stalemates there. Um, I'm not saying they're going to blow Lin- Linval Joseph off the ball because I don't think he's going to really get moved by anybody. I-, I watched almost every snap of his this year, and I didn't really see him get moved. Um, you know, backwards more than like a step. So, you know, that's that's probably going to be the case. But um, I think you would have more success uh, if you're the Eagles running, you know, with Kelsey and Brooks. So if I'm Minnesota, I'm trying to get figure out a way to get Joseph aligned more on Kelsey's left shoulder, you know, at that one technique. So he's, you know, having to go against Wisniewski and Kelsey on double teams because he could pretty much own the line of scrimmage and dominate that, I think. Um, and then, you know, have Tom Johnson at the three technique over the outside shoulder of Brandon Brooks. I think that's what you want because Johnson is quicker and he plays with better pad level than Brandon Brooks does. And I think he could, you know, thwart some of their like outside zone runs because the Eagles love to run outside zone. They run everything, but they love outside zone, you know, because they like reach blocking with their phenomenal athletes up front. So Tom Johnson, I think, could really do well against Brandon Brooks in that aspect. Um, so, I mean, you know, in terms of vertically moving Linval Joseph, I don't see Kelsey having much success. Definitely not by himself. 
but the space type stuff I think is it, that matchup, you know, it is intriguing, but I don't see it happening a ton because mm-hmm. I, I really envision Philly doing more where they're moving laterally and trying to like expand the field and not try to like run down the throat. I just don't, if they come out and try it and do it, then more power to them, you know, I, but I don't see it coming through whatever gap Linval Joseph is in. You, uh, I'll say that. you talk about Linval and his strength and how no one can push him back. So at the end of the game, when Stefan Diggs goes up and catches the ball and runs for touchdown, Everson Griffin was standing there in complete shock and Linval Joseph walked over, grabbed him and picked him up off the ground. Like it was me picking you up. It was just like, and I mean, Everson probably weighs 275 and is just all muscle. And he just picked him right up off the ground. And and it was like, okay, Linval, maybe you are the strongest man in the entire world. So, I mean, that's, that's where it all starts with him. And if anybody is suited to chase down running backs when they try to go to the outsides. I think it's Linval. He, I mean, for a guy his size, he might be the fastest guy of his size that I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. No, you're, exactly. That, that's what makes Linval Joseph so special, you know, and why I thought he was the best nose tackle in the league this year. You know, him and Damon Harrison were almost equals, you know, in my mind. Um, just, But Linval, like I said last time we spoke, I think, you know, he, I think he's a better tackler, you know, just by – even if it's a little bit, I think he's the best tackling nose tackle in the NFL. And that stems from, you know, his ability to get out in space and the effort he plays with. And so, you know, it's just going to be a phenomenal matchup inside just in general, you know, on that, on that side. So you said you like Jaleel Johnson. I, I think that Tom yeah. Johnson is, is probably going to end up carrying a real heavy load here, but if Jaleel does mix in, what do yeah. you like about him? Cause we haven't seen him a whole lot this year. Yeah, I saw him um, a little bit earlier this year. I think it was in August, so I guess preseason. Um, I forgot what game it was, but I highlight. I watched that game and um, highlighted probably six or seven plays where he was making tackles at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. Um, let me actually, yeah, I think it was against uh, the Seahawks. Um, so, and what I saw there really, and I watched him a little bit in college, but what I saw there was, you know, just really good hand usage, you know, it kind of, it didn't surprise me to see something like that on the Mike Zimmer defense, you know, like a technical thing that I saw that was impressive. So his ability to like get inside the frame of offensive linemen in the run game and hold his gap and then two gap, you know, and work across the face of the offensive linemen and come back inside. Like those type of things are, you have to be able to sink your hands and your feet and, you know, be coordinated and actually it's a practice skill, you know? And so Mike Zimmer, you know, Andre Patterson, the, DL coach you know I'm I don't know if they just gave that to him or whatever but I saw some really good technique you know in the run game um but granted that was preseason and you know this is the playoffs and it was the Seahawks you know so right yeah um you know temper that definitely but you know I I I do you know still that's impressive you don't see that you know in the NFL very often regardless especially from a guy in his situation you know first appearance you know um and stuff like that in the NFL so I just, you know, I like his potential, but in this game, that I'm kind of worried about that, though, because, you know, Shamar Steven, I had him ranked as, you know, the 57th best defensive tackle in the NFL this year, which I think there's 50 or 60 solid to good linemen in the league, you know, that could do at least one thing well, either like defend the run or um, rush the passer, and I think he's a pretty good run defender, um, so, you know, whenever um, Johnson, you know, or Linval needs a breather, you know, that's going to affect that. You know, and if, you know, Philly's running a ton of traps and 
you know, misdirection and pin pulls and outside zone and stuff like that, you know, putting a young guy in, in that is a lot, it's a tall task. So yeah, I'm kind of worried about that a little bit. One thing that may help is uh, Jaleel Johnson sits next to Tom Johnson uh, at their lockers. And I can tell you, I've said this to you before and I love, I love the next to exactly. I love pointing it out that there is no one that I would rather sit next to maybe save for Terrence Newman. If I wanted to learn football, right than Tom Johnson. Yep. So I, th- I think having that opportunity to sit there and learn from him is, is really big for Jaleel if he's got to step into uh, you know a big moment like this. So let's, right. uh, let's switch over to the other side. I want to get your reaction to Mike Remmers playing left guard. Now, we were taken off – we were taken – wait for the pun – off guard. Huh? We were yeah, off guard. Um, by Remmers being at the left side, I would have expected him to be on the right side and have right. Uh, Joe Berger. But I asked Mike Zimmer about it this week. He said that he consulted Remmers, and Remmers said he felt comfortable doing it. So, you know, that's, that's Zimmer trusting his player, a, a veteran guy there who's one of the best five that he can put out. Um, well, how did you feel Remmers performed in that situation? Um. You know, I, I would have liked to have seen uh, more of what I saw in week 17, mm-hmm. you know, at right guard. I just thought he looked more comfortable there. I mean, that's, you know, I just thought he looked uncomfortable, really. I mean, you know, I, I think he's a pretty good player, but at left guard, he's not the same, you know. I mean, at least he didn't look it to me in that game. Um, you know, and I really just think it's a matter of moving from one side to the other and doing that in a matter of a week. You know, after you've played on the right side in some capacity, right or left tackle, or right tackle, right guard, you know, in some combination the whole entire season. So, yeah, I mean, is that the plan again? That's that's what's going to happen. They're just sticking with it. Well, you know, uh, Mike Zimmer doesn't usually tell us his plans, so I I <laughs> yeah, can't tell you for sure. True. But you know, it wouldn't surprise me if because he, he was very short and vague in his answers about it, it wouldn't surprise me if they went back and looked at the tape and said, you know what, maybe we should have Berger on that left side because, I mean, Berger has just seen it all, done it all. He's played every position there is. I, I think he's much more equipped to do something like that than someone who's played tackle, played left tackle last year, right tackle this year, and then was very good at right guard. I wouldn't be shocked if I saw them switch things around again. It's interesting. I mean, I, you know, it just, it almost makes more sense to just, okay, now you got a game, stick with it. But at the same time, I, I'm with you. I hope they do switch it because week 17, I mean, you look at, if you compare those two films alone, I, I think there's no question he's a better right guard. And, you know, Berger is the guy who, to me, originally when we spoke last, you know, I thought he was the one who might mix, you know, switch over to left because he's kind of been a utility type of player you know, in his career, you know, Remmers isn't a guy that I would really expect that from. So I don't know, you know, either way, I mean, you know, either way, I I think it's going to be a a tall task against the Eagles defensive line. I mean, with Fletcher Cox and Timmy Jernigan in the middle, um, that's going to be tough. You know, I mean, Fletcher Cox is, you know, he's, you know, a top three in my ranking uh, defensive tackle this year that I saw, and you can easily put him one if you want. I mean, he's, um, you know, premier size guy who is supremely athletic for his size. And that's really, he's probably the most athletic, you know, him and Gerald McCoy, I think are pretty much the two biggest, most athletic defensive tackles in the NFL, mm-hmm. you know, six, four, three, ten. Um, So he's big as well. He's just athletic lean. Um, 
great athlete, long arms, and he's very flexible. So he can, you know, in his ankles and hips, so he can bend around the corner as a pass rusher at that size, which is insane. Um, and he's very hard to move in the run game, plays with good hand placement and, you know, he's very strong. Um, so when you think of a guy like that, who has these very good and elite traits and you, you know, stand him up side by side with, you know, Mike Remmers or Joe Berger, who I think, you know, at best have good traits, you know, and I think that's really like in the, the run game, you know, especially for Remmers, um, Minnesota, I think it's crucial that they do not get in unfavorable, you know, third and distance situations because this defensive line, especially on the interior, because both of them, you know, can get after the passer, um, you know, at, whereas in Minnesota, you know, Limbaugh Joseph could walk an offensive lineman, put him on skates, but he's not, you know, not the same as, as this type of duo in terms of what they are best at. Um, and then Bu Bu Allen, uh, the backup, he's a, he's a guy kind of like Shamar Steven, except I thought he was a, a better run defender um, by a little bit. So they have, I think the deeper, you know, defensive line going into this game. Cause then you talk about, you know, Brandon Graham and Vinny Curry on the ends and Derek, Derek Barnett, excuse me, rotating in, you have a pass rusher and two good run defenders there. Um, and then Brandon Graham can also rush the passer from the three technique and you're, you know, Mike Remmers against Brandon Graham is, is um, something you don't want to see with Fletcher Cox on at the defensive end side. And then them stunning whoever's playing right tackle and right guard. I mean, that's that's how Philadelphia's defense has partly been so dominant this year is because of those two. Can you explain the benefit that they get uh, out of rotating so much? I was looking at snap counts yesterday, and I noticed that the highest percentage of snaps that any defensive lineman for the Eagles has played is 65% which is really surprising. I mean, Everson Griffin plays every single snap. Daniil Hunter plays almost every single snap, and so does Linval Joseph. Um, and yet on this Eagles team, they are running guys in and out throughout the entire game. How does that help them? I mean, it allows them to stay fresh, you know, and if you have guys in specific roles on each rotation that suit them, I mean, they're going to be motivated to get out there and, you know, play. And, you know, it's an attacking scheme, so they're very aggressive. Um, and that's just built into what they do. And you got guys that fit that mold pretty much across the board, you know, so it, it's a great match, you know, credit to, you know, the front office and Jim Schwartz, you know, for designing the scheme around these players. Cause you know, Fletcher Cox is the centerpiece of the, of the defense. And really, I mean, I think he's probably the most valuable player on the team aside from Lane Johnson, you know, so Fletcher Cox is, you know, the guy that it all runs through. And, you know, I think Pat offline, is, um, you know, a good run blocker right now. Very good, you know, in a lot of respects. But in terms of play strength and, you know, length and just the physical dimensions of Fletcher Cox, you know, compared to him, it's going to be very, very tough, you know, in, in any sort of one-on-one -on -one scenario. So I really think the foul, I mean, the Vikings just have to just work together well as a unit and be on the same page in terms of its assignments. Because, you know, if you're not, one-on-one -on -one matchups in this game can really hurt you, I think. Uh, I remember with Fletcher Cox, when I came to fully respect his ability, uh, was a game between the Bills and the Eagles, and he was going up against Richie Incognito. And after the game, Incognito said, Fletcher Cox whipped me today. 
He just said, I, I have to be honest with you guys. Fletcher Cox just torched me today, and there was nothing I could do about it. And, and I thought, wow. man, Incognito is a <laughs> heck of a player. And if he's saying that after a game, that means that Fletcher Cox really gave it to him. And Incognito isn't usually one to uh, – Say something say like something. that, either, right? So, uh, yeah, I never heard that. He's a wow. a, a, a dominant, dominant. Me, yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't surprise me that he's dominant, and they did that to Atlanta last week. And, and so, my question right. for you is, I mean, do you see it the same way as me? I mean, I know that you are geeked up for this one because these are two defense offensive lines that we've talked about and that we've watched all year, especially with the Vikings and 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 two of the best that there is, two of the best defenses. So do you think that that's what ultimately decides it? And then part two to that question, who comes out on top? Yeah, I ultimately, I I mean, I think, yeah, it's, I really do think that whoever can run the ball, you know, is, is going to be able to, and that really, you know, falls on the defense. So, you know, whatever defensive line, I think, you know, can get exposed in some way, you know, and it's, it's also not just defensive line. I mean, it's, I, I'm not super familiar with the linebackers. You know, I mean, I know Eric Hendricks and, you know, Anthony Barr and, you know, Bradham and stuff. But um, so, you know, of course, it's a, a unit-wide thing. But ultimately, you know, I think Minnesota's defense is the better unit. And I think that's what is really going to win the game. Um, you know, especially when you have quarterbacks like this. I trust, I saw it mentioned just on Twitter, you know, like who do you trust more basically in terms of quarterbacks? And if you want to look at it that way, I'll say Minnesota easily, and then I also think their defense is better. So that, for me, is enough to think that that's the key to the game and that Minnesota's going to win. I can't figure out how their corners are going to stop Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. I mean, to me, if... Right, if, their, their secondary and pass defense is, you know, I think 17th right now, you know, or, or at the end of the regular season. So, exactly, you know, I, I trust Case Keenan more for that reason as well because receivers and tight end, you know, I just it's going to be tough for them to, to guard on a one-on-one basis as well. Well, if you love the game inside the trenches, make sure you go to uh, Brandon's Twitter, which is at veteran scout. And uh, you have it pinned on your Twitter where you graded all the defensive linemen in the league. It's great stuff to look through and uh, looking forward to this one. And then, you know, Brandon, I'm just saying that the invite is there. I'm not jinxing anything, but if there so is a Super Bowl involving the Minnesota Vikings, you have an invite to come back. Awesome, man. Well, that's what I'm going to be expecting. Um, but either way, I just, you know, I'm looking forward to a big game and hopefully we get to talk again soon, man. All right, Brandon Thorne, follow him on Twitter, at Veteran Scout. See his work, Bleacher Report, the Scouting Academy, Inside the Pylon, all of those places. And thank you all for listening to The Trenches, Inside the Trenches, the most football-y episode we've ever done here on the Purple Podcast. The Venture X Card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.